Good day, everybody. Today, each one of you will eat four lumps. Amen. You know, whenever I come to Pastor Jerry's house, he says I must eat six lumps of shima. He wants me to be fat. He wants me to look like Roderick. I only have a small beard. I cannot have a big body. Let us pray together. Father, thank you so much that we can be together today. And thank you that you love us. Holy Spirit, thank you that you speak powerfully through me today and impact every person's life with a deep understanding of your grace and the fruit that your grace can bring forth in people's lives. Amen. Amen. It is so good for me to be here. Today I'm going to read from Ephesians. And uh, chapter 1. And then we're going to jump to different verses in the Bible. Preaching on the grace of God. You know, there's only one good news. And that is the good news that God raised Jesus from the dead. Which is the gospel of grace. There is no other gospel. There might be different views that people have. But there's only one gospel. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The good news that the man Jesus Christ is ruling today. Giving life to whosoever believes in him. So that we don't have to be saved by our works. But that we can be saved by his grace. Because by the works of the law can no man be justified before God. No flesh can be justified by the works of God. I mean the works of the law. What that means is that no person can be free from sins by the works of the law. Even if the law says you must live holy, and you can look at the law and you can say the law is holy even if the law is holy it cannot save you if the law could save you you didn't need Jesus Christ amen 
if we look at the law and we try to obey the law to be saved other people might think we are holy but we know in ourselves that by that law we are struggling with so many sins because the law is not the power of God unto salvation you cannot be saved by the Ten Commandments. You cannot become more holy before God by keeping Sabbath day. We are made holy by the blood of Jesus and His Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. And when you have received the Holy Spirit, when you believed in Jesus, that Holy Spirit is recreating you. And in Christ, you are a new creation. You don't refer to yourself as a bad sinner. You refer to yourself as a new creation. And by God's faithfulness, you will see His life in you. Your faithfulness to the law can never save you. God's faithfulness to people can save us. We are saved by the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. You can never be faithful enough to the Lord to be saved. The only thing that saves is grace. You need to receive the goodness of God and the love of God because the love of God will preserve your life. You know, if you love your wife and you are very good to her, you speak good to her, you teach her the good news of Jesus Christ. You love her. You provide for her. The chance that your wife will leave you for another man is very small. Why will she go to another man? Because she has a very good husband. But if the husband beats her, if the husband is always drunk, never at home, always at the bar, you can find the wife looking for another man. Or you can find that another man thinks I can be better for that woman than what that husband is for that woman. It's the same way with God. If you can know how much God loves you, 
You will never leave the gospel. But if you think God is beating you every day, if you think God is always telling you about your sin, you'll find a reason to leave the gospel. Because who wants to be beaten every day? No person. Amen? Amen. Okay, so uh, I want to read from Ephesians. Paul starts and he says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Can you see how Paul greets the people in the name of Jesus? When he starts his letter, he says, I am Paul and I am sent by God. That is what the word apostle means. Apostle means to be sent. To be a messenger. The first apostle there was in the New Testament was Mary. She went from the grave to tell the people that Jesus was raised. She's called the apostle to the apostles. Because those angels sent her, go and tell the people. When you are sent, it means you are an apostle. Ah, first apostle was a lady, eh? <laughs> so we, we many times we think an apostle is somebody with a big big jacket. With very nice shoes. Almost like Jerry's shoes, eh? Ah, Pastor Jerry. An apostle is someone who was sent with a good news message. You guys need to know when you hear messages being preached if it's not the good news it's not the gospel. It's just the message from a man. Verse 2 Paul says God sent me. Verse 1 says God sent me. He says, I am an apostle. Then in verse 2, he says what God is telling him to say. He says, grace to you. So when God comes to you, what is the first thing he will tell you? Grace to you. He says here, grace and peace from God and Jesus Christ. So you can know one thing for sure. 
Grace is not only from Jesus. It's from God and Jesus. Some people think God is angry, but Jesus is friendly. God is the God the Father is the big boss. He's angry. But Jesus is always bringing the Father tea. Oh, Daddy, what can I do that you cannot be angry? Huh? Oh, Daddy, do you need Coca-Cola today? Oh, please just don't punish the human beings. Please don't punish the human beings. No. It says grace from God and Jesus. If in heaven there's only grace for you. Nothing else. Amen. The throne of God is called the throne of grace. When you go to the court, you find the judge sitting there. When you see that judge, you are scared. Because that throne is the throne of the law. Amen? If you've committed an offense and you go to the judge and they're going to decide about you, you, are, you better be scared. Because in the court, in the court there is very little grace. And there's very little mercy. But when you go to God, it's a throne of grace. It's a throne of mercy. A throne where He helps you. Amen? If you have stolen something, and you go to the normal magistrate court. That judge is not thinking, how can I help the thief? How can I help the thief that he can love people? How can I work in the heart of the thief that he can have kindness and goodness? No. But God, when a thief comes to him, he says this thief is a beautiful person and I love him but I see that he is stealing let me use my power to set him free from the bondage of stealing having compassion on the thief that is called the grace of God it is the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. When Jesus was raised from the dead, he was victorious over all sin and all death. And today, as a human being, he is seated at the right hand of God. 
And every person that comes to him, the job of Jesus is to save that person. To heal that person. To deliver that person. It is Jesus' job. The Bible says in John chapter 6, the will of God is that Jesus will not lose anyone that the Father gives him. It is the job of Jesus to save you. It is not your job to save yourself so that you can go to heaven. It's Jesus' job to save you. And when God greets you, he, he greets you, He says, grace to you. My power to give you life, I give unto you. Imagine I come to Pastor Jerry's house and now he greets, I greet him. Hello, Pastor Jerry. And before he even says hi, he says, I want to tell you everything in this house is yours. Even before greeting, that is what God is saying. When you go to the throne of grace, before God even says hello to you, He says to you, all of my power is to you to help you. Amen. Before He greets you, because to God, his heart, in his heart, it's so important that you know that he is for you and not against you. So Paul comes, he says, I've spoken to God. And now I'm writing you a letter from God. I'm sent to you. And this is what I find from God towards you. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So I want you to know, whenever you think of God, He's got grace to you. Not law. You know, I find these days and, and, and uh, a lot in the southern parts of Africa that people love the prophet so much. You come to the prophet then the prophet says, your name is, and then he calls your name. Why would God want to tell you what your name is? You know your own name. Amen. 
I come Your name is Jerry. I, I told you nothing. He knows his name. What you need to hear is what you don't know. And what people don't know is how much God loves them. And you come to the prophet, the prophet says to you, your name is like this. And then he starts to tell you your sin. That's a problem. Do you know why it's a problem? Because Jesus took away the sin of the whole world. And he said, I will never think of your sin. As far as the east is from the west, I've removed your transgressions from you. So if God the Father doesn't know about the sin, if Jesus Christ died for the sin, and he is mindful of the love of God, and the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God's love to you. Who is telling the prophet about your sin? <laughs> Only the devil. He knows your sin. Now he's telling a, a certain man, this man has got all these sins, eh? God does not think of that. The people in Ephesus, they had sin. But when Paul wrote to them, he said, Grace to you. Do you think people in the church of Ephesus, there was no person that do something wrong? They had sin. There was somebody in that, you know, if I go here today, I say, oh, God is showing me somebody drinking a beer. I will be correct. I will not be wrong. Because in a church with 200 people, somebody is drinking beer. You can never be wrong. If I, if I stand here and I say, I, I, I feel the Holy Spirit shows me there is a guy, you are lusting after a lady. I will be right. We don't need the Holy Spirit to reveal our sin. We know our sin. We need the Holy Spirit to reveal the mysteries of God, which is the grace of God. I come here in the love of God to you. I want to say grace to you. Hallelujah. 
And church, it's good for me to see how this church is growing. But like the Apostle Paul said, I want to warn you. They are false prophets. Not knowing the grace message. And all they do is they prophesy how much money you can have. Or how you can become pregnant. If somebody's got a message of how you can become pregnant, my wife does not want that message. She's 47 years old. The message that God gives is the same for everybody. It is His grace to you. If you don't have money, you have a father. Believe in your father. Believe in Father God. He will care for you. He always cares for you. If I, the, I always ask myself this question. Or I tell myself this. Bertie, what do you have? What do you have? I know I have the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that gospel can bring me anything I need. That gospel can even make me happy when I am poor. You people know how when when I came here with Roderick, we went with the ox cart. We come with a bus. Everybody says, ah, these missionaries, they are very poor. (laughs) (laughs) But what we have, no money can buy. We have the gospel of God's grace. And even if we never have beautiful buildings, the grace of God makes us happy in our hearts. Hallelujah. And you have seen how the grace of God has has encouraged Pastor Ruth and Pastor Jerry. They were not begging for money. They were not preaching tithing. They were just believing in the grace of God. And today you have the most beautiful building in Kalabu. Amen. 
The grace of God is the power of God and it gives you life. You don't have to live by the works of the law. You have a Father that gives you holiness. Holiness is not what God commands you to do. It's what God promises you. Hallelujah. Let us go to um, first, uh, second Peter. Peter says in Second uh, Peter one verse two. He says, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and our Lord Jesus Christ. We see that the Apostle Paul speaks to Jesus. And, and when he writes a letter, he says, Grace and peace to you. And we find Peter saying the same thing. He says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you. Let the grace and peace have super abundant power on you. And this would be through having knowledge of God and Jesus Christ. He says here that grace will multiply in your life as you know who God is and who Jesus is. A man who knows God will know the grace of God. A man who does not know God condemns people. Because Peter says here, grace and peace be multiplied through the knowledge of God and Jesus. If you have the knowledge of God, if you, if you know what God knows, if you know what Jesus knows, you will find peace and grace in your life. Because what God knows is how to help you. He loves you. He has made you to pour His love on you. Amen. God did not make you for any other reason than to love you. He's come to give his life to you. You know, if I give you my life, what it would mean is the following. I'll give you my mind. 
I'll give you my understanding. I'll give you what I believe. I'll give you everything I possess. Even my house. My love for my friends. My relationship with my friends. Everything. That's what it means to give your life to someone else. God has given his life to you. His life is full of peace. His life is full of kindness. His life is without fear. He gives you his life. And by his life, he manifests his life in you. Amen. That's how it works. If God gives you his life, you don't need the law. Because God does not need the law today. Do you think Jesus is reading the law every day saying, I must love my father, I must not desire, I must not this? Jesus is not reading the law. Jesus is the law of life. His life is your life. Amen. I want to read one more verse. I want to go back to Ephesians. Let's go to Ephesians. Uh, one again. <clears throat> Verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Now hear what Peter says in 2 Peter 1 verse 4. Verse 2 says that grace and peace be multiplied to you. Then verse 3, according as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Uh, Lord Jesus, heal this man's eyes that he can read. Amen. Amen. Or oh, let's use this. Let's see if you can read. Can you see something? Yes. You see? It's a miracle. <laughs> Can you read? Yes, I can read. <laughs> but there I see. <laughs> there you cannot see. But here you can see. Yeah, here I can see. <laughs> okay, read verse um, 4. Whereby are given unto us. It is the Kazona. Lufirwe sepiso zetuna luri niza nizabutokwa. That 
that by these we might be partaken of the, the, the divine nature. Amen. Amen. So what is it saying is what it, ah, I don't know when you are more beautiful. Let me see. <laughs> so what he's saying is that grace is multiplied to us and this new life is according to the power of God that gives us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So godliness is by the power of God. Godliness is not by your willpower. It says there that according to the power of God is given all things to us that pertains to life and godliness. Whatever you need to have eternal life and whatever you need to be godly and and whatever you need for this life is given to you by the grace of God. You don't have to add anything to God's grace. You, You can preach grace, but that doesn't help you mix with the law. The moment you mix grace with the law, you are saying that his power is not enough to give you a new life. And it says, by this grace of God, is given to us very big promises. That by the promise, by God keeping his promise, we might have the divine nature. If you want the divine nature of God, the nature of eternal life, the nature of love, God promises you love. He promises you the divine nature. He promises you eternal life as you believe the promise and God keeps his promise. By God keeping his promise you will be a partaker of the divine nature. You are not a partaker of the divine nature by the law of Moses. You are a partaker of the divine nature by God. That means the fruit of the Spirit is not God's commandment to you. The fruit of the Spirit is God's promise to you. Holiness in your life is what God promises you. You know what what the church believes? Many churches. They believe that 
They believe heaven, hell, and then God is here in heaven. And then God is telling you, produce a holy life. Live a holy life. Plus believe in Jesus. Then I will save you from hell. That is what the church preach. Let me say it again. The message to a sinner is this. Believe in Jesus and repent of your sins. Stop your drinking. Stop your smoking. Believe in Jesus. Go to church. Help in the church. Be in the choir. Help to build the building and keep doing that, then Jesus will save you from hellfire. But God does not say that. God looks at you. He sees, oh, this person has got sin in his life. He's got hatred. He's got bitterness. He has no love. But I love him so much. Let me save him from his sins. Then God says, I will use my grace to love him so that he can be free from what is killing him. The true gospel is this. God is telling people repent but repent means to have a change of mind in the Greek it means to think with God you were thinking with the law you were thinking of condemnation now God says have a change of mind think with me then you must ask God God how do you think then God says what I am thinking is let me use my power and recreate you and let me make you new then when you say oh God I think with you. I think when Jesus was raised from the dead that I am raised with him. You make me new. You recreate me. So the Bible says repent meaning have a change of mind. Believe in Jesus, my friend. And then he will deliver you or save you from your sins. We have made salvation about heaven and hell. But, but true salvation is about life and death. God saving you from death, giving you eternal life. 
We've made salvation about us stopping our sins. So that we can be saved from hellfire. But salvation is God saving man from sin, giving him life. The Bible says in Matthew 1 verse 21. You don't have to read. Okay. I'm keeping my glasses, you see. <laughs> okay. So, um, it says there that Jesus Christ, when he was a baby, he was called Jesus because he had to save his people from their sin. So, who must save you from your sin? Jesus. Not you. You think you must repent from sin. No, you must be saved from sin. Amen. Amen. If somebody is drowning in the, in the river, he does not need swimming lessons. Huh? When somebody is drowning in the river, he's going under. You see only his hand is coming out. It does not help you shout to him, okay, now left hand, right hand, left hand. Your swimming lesson is going to kill the man. He needs a savior. He needs someone that knows swimming that is good enough to swim for two people. And that man needs to get into the water. Then he needs to take that man that's drowning and put him in his boat. Amen. Saving him. That is what Jesus did. Man was drowning. Then God came into the water of man. Into the, into the sin of man. But Jesus was good enough to swim for me and you. And he takes, when he was resurrected, he took us out of the water, putting us in his own boat. Amen. Amen. Now, that doesn't help you are in the boat, trying to swim. You are bothering all the people in the long boat there. Hey, Jerry. Imagine somebody in a boat swimming. I know when I was on the long boat, I know the boat is leaking always, but there's not enough water for swimming inside the boat. No, you don't give swimming lessons to somebody in the boat. 
That's why we don't preach the law to people that has received Jesus. They are in the boat. We preach the grace message. Even to the world that is lost. We preach the grace message. The only way you can preach the law is to preach the law in its original context. The original meaning of the law is Jesus. If you want to truly know what the law says, the the true message of the law is Jesus Christ. You cannot preach law and Jesus. If you have preached Jesus, you've preached the true meaning of the law. For the law is not to condemn you. The law was to point you to Jesus. Amen. That's how it works. Church, you are the loved of God. You are in the boat. Hallelujah. Another thing, if you are in the boat. You know, one time I was go- we were going to uh, Mongu with a longboat. It was a suffering, my brother. So... I don't know what the, that, that driver did there. He put the diesel inside the engine there. But, a, but it's petrol engine. Now the engine dies. We just see Mongu coming there. Now they give to us those... Now we must row. Rowing. Two hours. Three hours. Suffering now. I want to tell you, the boat of Jesus doesn't need your rowing. The engine is grace. And and the tank is full of fuel there's no need for fuel you don't need to help God to bless you he's got enough power to bless you amen can we thank Jesus Christ Amen. Let's clap our hands for the Lord Jesus. Father, I want to thank you for your grace and that your grace is enough for us. I want to thank you, my God, that you love us. I want to thank you that your system of life is fueled up and it will never run out of fuel. It is fueled with eternal life. And thank you, God, that we don't have to extend a helping hand to you, but that you have extended a helping hand to us, helping us, giving us life. Thank you that I can preach here, Father, and thank you that you bless, uh, you bless these people, you have blessed them, 
and that we can walk in your blessing in this place where we can see your message of grace and eternal life manifesting to everybody in this area. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. amen.